Last night at the five o'clock mass, we had a, a first communion, and um, some of the people that came uh, with with the first communicant uh, weren't weren't wearing masks. And Father Paul was serving at the mass; he was the presider at the mass, and um, so this wasn't really going over very well with him. So he walked uh, to the back here, all the way into the sacristy, and came up and um, handed the family some masks and. The family would not look at him or, or receive the masks. And so I could tell that he was really frustrated. And so I, I thought maybe I can go and just kind of gently talk to the family and say, you know, um, we, it's a, just a policy here that everybody wears masks. And uh, so one of them said, well, I have a condition. And, I, and, you know, there were like five of them or six of them maybe with a condition. So um, I just said, I understand that, but we just here at, at the parish have a policy that um, you need to wear masks. So I would, lo- I really want you to stay here, um, but you do either have to wear a mask or you have to leave. And so they were getting very frustrated, and you know they said to me, "You're not sorry." And I said, "Actually, I am very sorry." I, 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 you know, the, the whole mask thing for me is a difficult thing, anyways. But um, I, I just said, you know, it's, it's our policy. You have to make a choice. You have to have put on a mask or you have to leave. And then they said, um, well, can we just stand in the back of the church? And I said, um, no, actually, anyone in the church, uh, you have to wear a mask, you know. So then I looked and I saw the cry room and I said, uh, maybe, well, what if you went in the cry room? If you just went in there, there's glass around you, you could stay in there, and um, maybe that would be a good, like, compromise. So they got up and went to the, went to the cry room, um, but then decided not to go in, and they, they stood outside overhearing this door and it was interesting because they were clearly angry and clearly upset and mad um, but chose to be outside looking in and so they were outside there and the mother was the, one of the women was just kind of texting on her phone the entire time probably tweeting about how horrible I am and how horrible the parish is but for me it was an image of this being the kingdom of God which it is right here, and, and someone kind of being so obstinate that they'd rather go outside than, than do whatever they can to be in the kingdom of God. And so that's kind of a glimpse of what the final judgment will be like. I'm going to read you just a couple excerpts from the Catechism that talk about um, what hell is, the reality of hell, and how actually by our own free will we choose not to be with Christ, and and we allow ourselves to be cast into hell. So Jesus, he often speaks about this unquenchable fire. And one of the things that the early church fathers would, I'll tell you a couple things that they would say immediately is an anathema. And when, when when a church father or bishop uses the word anathema, he means that somebody has spoken something that is so wrong that, um, that they should be excommunicated. So there's a couple things that they say in regards to hell, heaven and hell, end of times that are anathema. The first anathema is that no one is predestined for hell. So to speak that or to say that there are, there are some people that are predestined for hell or God predestines some from hell, that is an anathema. So don't say that because if we, if we say that and believe that, it casts us outside of the church. So no one is predestined for hell. Another anathema that was, was uh, kind of named by the early church fathers is that there is no hell. So if we believe and if we teach and if we speak that there is no hell, 
we're actually speaking an anathema. We're, we're speaking something that would actually excommunicate us from the church. So God doesn't, uh, in his providence, he doesn't place people in hell or he doesn't um, make that part of the providential plan for them. But there is a help. And so that's a difficult thing for us to contemplate. We have this loving God who created us in his own image and likeness. He predestines no one to hell. And yet, there still is a hell. And by our own free will, we can end up there. So the teaching of the church affirms the existence of hell and eternity. And immediately after death, the soul of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell, where they suffer punishments of hell for eternal life. And the chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from God, in whom alone man can possess the life and happiness for which he was created and for which he longs. So this is in the Catechism. This whole um, notion, I think, that has kind of come along in, in our day and age, um, that there is no hell, you know, that that's just kind of something that we used to teach. Well, it is actually something that is a tenant of our faith and something that Jesus revealed to us, and we heard about it in the Gospel today. It's reaffirmed over and over and over again in sacred scripture and the teachings of the church and the subject of hell that are a call to responsibility upon man to use his freedom in view of eternal destiny. So the choices we make here on earth impact our choices for eternal life. So for someone that is obstinately uh, not coming to church, not practicing the faith, stuck in some grave and mortal sin, these choices that we make on earth have a consequence for eternal life. Now, that's probably not you that I'm speaking to in the pews, but we all probably know loved ones that are stuck in this state, and it's our responsibility to try to preach to them, to try to evangelize them, to help them in this world so that they don't have to suffer punishment in eternal life. And since we neither know the day nor the hour, we should follow the advice of the Lord, who says, watch constantly, so that when the single course of our earthly life is completed, we may merit to enter with him into the marriage feast and to be numbered among the blessed, and not like the wicked and slothful servants, be ordered to depart into eternal life and the outer darkness, where men will weep and gnash their teeth. And finally, as I said before, God predestines no one to go to hell. For this, a willful turning away from God, a mortal sin is necessary, and persistence in it until the end. In the Eucharistic liturgy and the daily prayers of the faithful, the church implores the mercy of God, who does, want, does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So that's why we come here today. We come here today to beg and to plead for God's mercy not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones who may be stuck in this pattern that is leading them to eternal death. This is a very real and serious teaching of our church. And today, as we celebrate the great feast of Christ the King, we hear about the, the judgment of Christ the King, who will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. That at the, at the end of time, at his second coming, there will be this ultimate separation. 
And so we have to take this very seriously for ourselves, very seriously for our church, very seriously for our loved ones, and very seriously for our world, that we do everything that we can to help people inherit the kingdom of heaven.